0: Welcome to the latest edition of At The Flicks Your one-stop shop for movie news, interviews and reviews
1: Declan returns with the latest edition of Carry On Streaming
2: In our packed review section this month We are joined by Darren to review amongst others Oscar winner Parasite, Birds of Prey and Emma
0: Then there's the fable Darren's Dash Which this month includes The Lighthouse, Uncut Gems and weathering for you while phil joins us to discuss the personal history of david copperfield
1: we start a new feature this month emma's picks the best of what's coming to cinemas very keen filmgoer emma tells us what is worth looking out for in march and april
0: Greetings and salutations. My name is Jeff, and my main cinema interests are political and horror movies. I'm really looking forward to Emma's picks. One from me would be Downhill, less a comedy, more a statement on modern Britain with this crap excuse for a government.
1: Hi, my name is Graham. My main cinema interests are sci-fi and comic book movies. Ever the optimist, I'm looking forward to the new mutants in April. Hopefully, a good X-Men movie after that terrible Dark Phoenix.
2: Hi, my name is Neil, and I just like films. I'm very optimistic about the new James Bond, No Time to Die. The Billie Eilish song sounds very good. Bond needs a bad guy, so fingers crossed for that. There's a pun in there that you'll never get that one.
0: Do you like having a bad guy, Neil, dear?
2: <laughs> bad Guy is a song by Billie Eilish.
0: My music stopped at Donna Summer. Mine stopped, not much. Okay, okay, enough waffle lads. Look, you know me. I'm the one of the three of us with the most optimistic and open
3: opinions. (laughs) The
0: one who constantly has to keep Neil's darker side in check and tells Graham gently that perhaps some of his comments may need to be censored. (laughs) I know this as I have a postbag of listeners' comments to prove it. (laughs) As the happy-go-lucky person, I have to tell you that this is going to be an apocalyptic bad year for cinema. True, there'll be the odd hit like the new James Bond, No Time to Die, that Neil was just talking about. But generally, it's going to be a disaster.
1: Is there a Mel Gibson film coming this year? Or Actually, maybe another Gerard Butler one?
0: Well, there's two of each. But Well, there
1: you go. Apocalyptic. That, that might
0: be the saving grace. You know me, Lance. I don't like to deliver bad news. But <laughs> Much. Here's my thinking, and perhaps we can spend a few minutes discussing it before we continue with the show. There's three aspects to my thinking here, right? Number one, there's no major tentpole movies this year. There's no Avengers or Star Wars. Quite pleased on both, really. But James Bond is probably the biggest tentpole film there is. Uh, Others like Fast 9. It doesn't have Dwayne Johnson to boost it this year, so it hasn't got the power that it did have. Let's be honest, this year's Marvel films don't inspire, not that they did any year. And for DC, the hope of Wonder Woman recreating the success of the first, well, Quite honestly, that trailer doesn't sell it. So I don't think the films are there. Secondly, the continuing spread of coronavirus. And Neil, I noticed you've been ill earlier this week. I hope you're feeling better now. Very much, thank you. Good, I told you not to take that cruise off Japan. I think that's going to have an impact as well. Now, we're already seeing this in China where box office way, way down because people aren't going to the cinema and they're being discouraged by the state to do it. So you wait till Johnson works out that one. Now imagine if that spreads to such emotionally sound countries like, well, this one in America. Estimates that there will be at least a 1.6% fall in global movie revenue this year, and that's not factoring in the virus. And we're already seeing it. Films like Doolittle, The Rhythm Section, and Birds of Prey have either flopped badly or underperformed. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, Neil, but no amount of witty Korean movies or Japanese Saturday morning cartoons are going to take up this slack. (laughs) My advice to listeners is get your streaming subscription sorted as this is going to be a very bumpy ride. Graham, I'm sure of the two of you, you'll agree with me.
1: Well, I sort of agree with you, Jeff, but I'm not really interested in numbers. I'm interested in story, direction and acting. I can't remember the last time I judged a film based purely on numbers. COVID-19 might cause some problems, but the art goes on. Hold
0: on, hold on a minute. If the numbers aren't there, they won't be
1: making any more of those sort of films. That's good for Marvel,
0: because I don't want to see less. I want to see less of them.
1: I do think your comment on getting a streaming account is valid. And with Disney Plus coming to the UK on March 24th, this might be the best time to sit at home and watch all the Disney classics. Is Song of the South on there? No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's not a class uh, For me, I'm, I'm looking forward to some surprise hits Yes and Emma's suggestions for March and April Have some very interesting films I mean, Many of them she's already seen And are recommending them it's Like Promising uh, Young Woman is uh, one of them I mean, we've had such uh, things like David Copperfield, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit I know it's awards season But perhaps we'll get a year full of them i'm not too worried i'm sure there'll be less people going to the cinema i mean if, if nobody's going to the cinema in china because they're all shut um I mean, of course they're going to lose a huge amount of money maybe small films can take over
0: so there's three of us here the chances are that if this coronavirus is as bad as they say one of us will be dead by the end of the year <laughs> <laughs> let's well, see that, that's all right then Let's see who's standing and who was right about the film Are industry. Are we making
1: a bet on this?
0: <laughs> five five or each. Yes. Five or each. Okay. Your wife can hold the money. Uh, Happy go lucky, Jeff. That's me. I'll now introduce Carry On Streaming, as we'll gloss over this.
1: Hi, Graham. Here, I'm just going to break the fourth wall for a moment to talk directly to you, the listener. Whilst I was editing this show, it became apparent that we had so many reviews and so much content that this podcast would end up being longer than Scorsese's The Irishman. So, we've split the podcast into two parts. A separate podcast will be published in a few days, which we're calling The B-Roll. And that will include our reviews of Bad Boys for Life, The Rhythm Section, Emma, While You Were Sleeping, Slender Man... 71, The Buddy Holly Story, and a review of the first six Studio Ghibli movies that aired on Netflix in February. Please keep an ear out for the B roll coming soon. And now we return you to our regular podcast. Yes,
2: Deck is back to talk about what he's enjoyed recently on streaming and terrestrial TV. Did Christmas live up to Deck's expectations? Let's go over to happy-go-lucky Jeff and
0: Deck to find out. Hello from your At The Flix team. Having now fully recovered from Christmas TV binges, it's time for another streaming and TV update from Declan. Hi, Deck. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Did you have a good Christmas and New Year? I know it's uh, in the well in the past now.
4: Uh, yeah, it was okay. Yep,
0: not too bad. So, deck. what have you been watching and what would you recommend to the listeners?
4: Well, it was quite an interesting Christmas. It wasn't hugely successful. We had the usual things. So we had a Doctor Who episode special over the new year, which was a bit silly as they normally are. You're missing the best
0: thing out, though, aren't you? Awesome.
4: Gavin and Stacey Christmas special. To be fair, that probably was one of the highlights of the Christmas period. It was very, very funny. <laughs> and they did a really good job because... Quite often when you bring a comedy back after a large gap, it doesn't work, it's... Yeah. but it did. I thought it was brilliant. The whole fishing episode was fantastic. Rob Brydon was just brilliant.
0: Mind you, let's talk to his model of Bryn. Neil, what did you think of the episode? I didn't,
2: I didn't watch it. Oh. You didn't watch it? <laughs> Christmas with my mum and dad, both octogenarians, and we spent all Christmas discussing what we'd watch. And not actually watching it. <laughs> and we it. never turned
4: the telly on. <laughs> 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 Anyway, so back to what you were saying. One of the other highlights, other than Gavin and Stacey, was earlier in the evening, was The Snail and the Whale. It was brilliant. It's one of my favourite books, to be fair. I used to read it to the kids Mm. when they were young. And the animation is beautiful. And I just recommend if anyone wants to see a lovely, beautiful story with their kids, just to sit down and watch The Snail and the Whale. Fantastic. Other than that, there was a few scary moments over Christmas. The disappointing one was Martin's Close. that I mentioned in the last streaming episode, it wasn't scary at all, really. It was probably more comedic than scary. That was a bit disappointing. I had big hopes for that. And then the other one that was quite interesting was the new take on Dracula. First episode, brilliant. Second episode, pretty good. Third episode, probably wouldn't bother. Yeah, I'd watch the first two episodes and then probably just turn it off.
0: What was interesting about that series is all the references Gateless got into Hammer Horror. Yeah, like you, I feel the same. The first two episodes are really good. The last episode's a big disappointment. But I think... What he was doing, I mean, Dracula, for two-thirds of their output, certainly their Dracula output, was all set, period. And then from Dracula, AD72, Satanic Rites of Dracula, they brought it right up to date. You know, Dracula was in modern-day London. Those never worked either. So the fact he was trying to recreate that. And there was this lovely moment towards the end of the show the heroine Van Helsing runs down the table, grabs the curtains, and pulls it down, mm. very much like Peter Cushion against yeah. Christopher Lee. They invert that, and I thought that was quite clever, but generally you you 're quite right. it set up some great mysteries in the first two, but just didn't know how to resolve them
4: a shame because it was it was such a good build up so
1: I liked the second one I thought it On was very, very claustrophobic and and i couldn 't work out who was in room six or room nine or whatever it was, and
0: again. I mean, what I liked in in episode one and two, it plays on aspect of the book. There are things set up in Stoker's novel and it twists it ever
4: so slightly. And it's really good. It's just a shame he couldn't finish it properly. I saw a couple of good documentaries over the Christmas period. The one that I thought was very interesting was one on Hugh Grant. I don't know if you guys caught that, but I thought that was fascinating. I didn't know really much about the guy and I thought it was really, really interesting. And the other one was... Sorry, deck on that. Do you know Graham's
1: met him? He's a big Fulham supporter. Yeah, so I've uh, actually met him and chatted to him. Really nice guy.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, it it comes across in the documentary. It really does. And the other one was there was one about Michael Hutchison. You know, the NXS singer. There was a sort of documentary film, Mystify, I think it was called, and that was interesting. Again, because again, I didn't really, not being a massive fan. I, you know, I listened to the music a bit, like everyone did, but it wasn't what you'd expect as well. Because you th- you sort of expect with his character that it was all going to be drugs and mm. sex and stuff but it wasn't it was actually quite interesting Interesting backstory to his family and stuff yeah it was it was quite good and Neil
0: let that death be a lesson to you <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Broke, <Saints> preserve
4: <laughs> and then we start to <laughs> creep into the new year when things start to pick up obviously new year again new seasons new series come out one of my highlights that I thoroughly recommend to any listener of this podcast is to catch whisting on the iPlayer detective series, but it is absolutely brilliant. And the reason I found out when I researched it afterwards that it was so good, which I didn't know before I started watching it, is based on two books. So you'll find this if you watch it. The series sort of halfway through sort of ends and you think, huh? So afterwards, when I read it up, I realised it is actually two books. And that's why, it, even though it's one series... Feels almost like two series because you sort of get halfway through and then go, oh, 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 gosh, that's a surprise, and and then it carries on into sort of to a slightly different story. I just thought it was really well made, really well acted. I mean, I've seen a lot of Scandi dramas, and I thought this was really good, really up there, very, very good. And it was one of those ones that you watch it and then you have to watch another one, sort of thing. It's it's very addictive.
0: So I don't know this one. What's the setup of it?
4: So Wisting is like a chief chief inspector, of the equivalent, well respected. He's a, he's sort of a police hero. He's got a daughter who's a journalist, which leads to some tensions because she's always trying to find out what's going on in the murder case, and he's not allowed to say anything because she's a journalist. There's that tension there. I, I don't want to give it away, but and basically, there's a there's something that goes on, and the FBI have to get involved, and the FBI have to work with the Scandinavian police, and of course, the different you know what <laughs> FBI are like. Um, it, there's a clash there as well, which is another dimension. So you've got this clash between the FBI and the thing, and you've also got this family sort of dynamics going on, and I just thought it was really well acted, really well shot, and it kept you guessing right to the end.
1: How would it compare to The Killing or The Bridge, say? I think it's up there. Oh, honestly. really? Yeah. Wow, okay.
4: And then, and like you said, I'm a big fan of The Bridge and The Killing, and I thought, this is the first one I've watched probably since those two that didn't feel like a, a copycat, if you know what I mean. It just it felt it could stand on its own. Really good. So the other Scandi one I'm watching on all four, Stockholm Requiem. Now... I have to give you a bit of a warning on this. This is quite a hard-hitting cop one in that it involves a lot of cases, a lot of child murder, and a lot of, yeah, quite tough subjects. It it doesn't hold back the the cases that they're looking at. Um, Aren't you sort of safety, safety, or someone's just been murdered? They're quite harrowing, to the point that we nearly stopped watching it because it was getting... But it is such a good story that you sort of carry on. Yeah, so if if you're of a... A disposition that doesn't like that sort of thing, then maybe don't watch it. But um, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the setup of that is basically I didn't know I don't know if this is true. I haven't looked into it, but I think it is. They basically had this thing where they employ someone who's not a police person, who's not from the forces, to be on the team, so that you get a different view on murder cases. So I don't know. I haven't haven't looked into it to find out if this is actually true or whether it's just a story, but it seems like it is. So they've got this this woman. She's very intelligent. She was a music composer and she's basically on trial for six months. So they've like employed her for six months to join the team. Of course, they all straight away are like, oh, you're not. You're not police. You don't know what's going on. You know, she comes up with these ideas and they're like, they poo-poo them because they're like, oh, you don't know. You know, we've been doing it years. We know what we're doing. But actually, she's very bright. And she does ask questions that they hadn't thought of because they were just going down the obvious route, if you see what I mean, because she's not from that. And because I suppose the the problem with being on the police and doing case after case, you probably live on your experience, don't you? So you think, oh, well, last time that happened, it was that person. So I'm going to assume it's the same again. Well, of course, she comes at it from a completely different angle. It is interesting. Yeah. Uh, they have this relationship between the, the, the chief inspector and her, and it's not at all. There's no lovey-dovey stuff or anything. But he's a very stressed out, very anxious, like you'd expect. There is a clash, but it's a it's a respected clash. They both realise that they're they're both intelligent people and they're both trying to do the right thing. I, I don't. I just thought it was really good, a real novel way of, of doing a police drama. So
1: a bit was, like bringing in Holmes for Lestrade. You know, well, Lestrade gets completely doesn't know what he's doing, and then its he has to bring in Sherlock Holmes to sort it out. It's it's not that far, is it? No, it's, it's no, not that far, just no. she's embedded in the team. Yeah, she's just a member of the team. Wow. Okay, that um, that does sound great. Yeah, well, I think I'm gonna put. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a go with that.
0: While on this theme, Graham has followed your recommendation and finally watched The Guilty.
1: Oh yes. absolutely loved it. There was a bit halfway through, you know the bit I'm talking about, where my wife screamed, "Ah, no, (laughs) and then everything. oh, hell, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was just so well done. It's gripping though, isn't it? You can't do anything else
4: at the same time. You cannot. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You just can't.
1: And I cannot believe they must have made it for 20p because there's nothing in it, is there? No, just just him on the phone. Him on the phone. And it's so gripping, so gripping.
4: Apparently they're going to remake it.
1: Yeah, I know. They are.
4: Why? Just just watch that, folks. Watch the guilty. Don't watch any remakes. <laughs> watch the guilty. It's brilliant. I watched The Witcher, which I recommended yeah. last time. I, I was really impressed with it. Take a while to get to know the character a bit, but what I the swordsmanship and the fight scenes were absolutely brilliant. I know. I think I prefer a person fighting another person more than a great big battle. I don't know what it is. It's it, you know it's similar with the superhero ones. I, I don't like it when it's all they all rushing in and they're all... I like it when it's sort of close combat and there's a lot of that on this. There's a lot of the witcher fighting one other person or creature. I like that and I thought it was it was very well done, very realistic. And I don't know how much training... Um, Henry, is it Carville? Is that how you pronounce him? Carville? I don't know how much training he had in swordsmanship but he did seem quite handy with a sword, so... Well,
0: Neil, it's about to tell you about some breaking news we have on this. And we did an interview
2: with uh, Mark Jobs who did part of episode one and the last two. He was chatting away about uh, Henry Cavill, and uh, a fan of The Witcher, of the uh, the
1: games. We, what we learned was he petitioned Netflix to play the part. Oh wow, that's good! So he actually said, "I'd like to play that part,", that part and I actually went to them to do it. So it's quite an interesting story.
2: Yeah, fascinating man. But yeah,
1: yeah. coming
4: coming yeah. In, in April. Yes, coming in April. So yeah, that was that was a good series, worth watching. What else have I watched? But White House Farm, the true story of the the Bamber case. The Bamba case. I think it's quite good. I didn't know much about it. It's slightly before my time. It's well acted. It's intriguing. It, speaking to a friend of mine who's in the police, and it says it's sort of an, it's a it's a case of how not to do forensic, mm-hmm. and it and and that case led to lots of changes in the way. They did forensics because of what happened there. And, and you can see why. They cremated the bodies before they you know, did certain <sighs> things and they moved stuff before they, uh, you know, it's just, and he says it is a very good example of what not to do.
0: It was one I was thinking of watching. The only reason I didn't is I recorded a confession and watched that over Christmas and early January, the, the Chris Halliwell case from Swindon. So I thought, well, I don't want to have
4: two of these live cases running. I think The Confession was better. The production levels were slightly better, I think.
0: Yeah, no, no, I'll go back and have a look at that then. that, That case fascinated me at the time, so I'd be interested to see what they got to do. And, of course, on True Cases, you also watched Christine Keeler, didn't you?
4: I did watch Christine Keeler as well. The casting was good, and I thought she was brilliant. So Sophie Cookson in the role as Christine, and I thought she played it very well. I just thought it was too long. I just thought there were too many episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple of episodes had this weird timey thing where it kept going backwards and forwards and you were like, hang on a sec, is this before or after or during or what, where am I now? That settled down, but even then it just went on too long. If you think about, you know, the film Scandal was a film, so was it two hours long, and that fitted most of it in, and you think, okay, I'd like a bit more detail, maybe, maybe four hours, maybe four episodes would be good, but no, they dragged it out and, I, and it did feel dragged out. I got through it and I'm pleased I did. I, it was interesting, but I just feel it could have lost a couple of episodes. It could have easily lost a couple of and, and been much tighter.
0: Do you know it's the only court case, the, the trial of Stephen Ward, any public case where the records are sealed? You can't see those records
4: of that case. I know they said at the end, but I didn't realise that was the only one.
0: But... Yeah, the only one in history. Obviously there are sealed court cases, particularly with, you know, spy things and like that, basically because it was so corrupt by the judges that they won't allow those details out till
4: at least 2046. Wow, it's just shocking what the judge said in court, though. It's just unbelievable. And the other one I have watched that was OK was the David Tennant drama, Deepwater Fell. Not a true story, it's just a drama. It's only three or four episodes. David Tennant, the roles he's been playing recently, seem to be more and more unnerving. Yeah. <laughs> he seems to be more and more playing characters that are not quite right, and uh, he does it very well again. That sort of blank look on your face, but you know what's going on in his head. A very good actor. Again, not a, nice, not a nice, enjoyable watch. Not giving anything away because it happens at the start, pretty much. The death of uh, three children and, and his wife sort of thing. So it's, all, it's not a great topic, but again, he plays it very, very well.
0: What do you watch for Light Relief, Dick? Well, for
4: Light Relief, I watched one of my highlights in January, which is the second series of Sex Education. Absolutely brilliant. This is definitely Light Relief. Boom, boom. Um, In that uh, it's just fantastic. The colours, the costumes, the music, the stories, the... It is brilliant. I love the first series, absolutely love the second series as well. And and very rarely do you say that, you know. I'm not a fan of sequels. I'm not a fan of follow ups. And I but I just thought brilliant. Otis, Eric, all all my favourite characters. More depth, more warmth. It's just a brilliant. Absolutely loved it. The thing I love about Sex Education is it it is educational. It does, you know. And I've read this, and it is true. We watch it separately from my son, so we we both we all watch it. In two separate rooms, huh. or not quite at the same time, but 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 you know we watch it roughly over the <laughs> same. There's a reason for that? That's well, very good parenting. It's but there's a very good reason. <laughs> a, it's the embarrassment side of it. But yeah, it, it's going to say it is. It is, and and apparently I read this in an article. Apparently that's what families are doing, and then they talk about it over tea or something afterwards because it's embarrassing to watch separately, but it brings up some good topics. It brings up some really interesting things that teenagers are going through. It's not there's all diff- sex. There's different... It's different. No, it's not all it's not
2: all all the other problems yeah. as well. all
4: the bullying and, and all that feeling, not feeling that you're fitting in at school and all those sort of things and, and, and confidence. The where Amy
2: is having not be able to get onto the uh, bus was particularly good. Yes, uh, the yeah. The whole series of bits where she's, I won't spoil it, but she just can't get back on the bus. And I thought that was in the Breakfast Club
4: episode. Oh, yes, the one that homage to Breakfast Club was very good as well. Oh, wow. Sounds
3: great.
4: And you do learn things. I won't mention it because, um, you know... x-rated um but we did learn and both my wife and i had to actually google afterwards to find out if, if they were right and they were right it was it, yeah so it was something i'd as, as being an older generation i hadn't heard of this before and uh yeah so it, it is it is educational as well but it, the main thing is it makes you laugh it makes you smile and it's a good uh-huh. watch
0: okay moving on then what what's coming up that you're looking forward to then
4: well there's some things that have just started there's a new series of inside number nine which has just started. Yes,
0: I've seen the first two episodes.
4: And again, fantastic. I just love everything they do. So you can catch that on the iPlayer.
0: And in fact, Neil has watched his very first episode of Inside Number Nine today. Oh, yep, the first episode of the uh, current series, the football the episode.
4: The football one. Yeah. Well, you should go back and watch the one where there's no words, where it's in silence. That I is need to go back to first series. brilliant.
0: Just be warned that some are horror and they
4: don't skimp on the horror. The other thing that started that is a little bit creepy, a little bit supernatural, is the new Agatha Christie, yes. The Pale Horse. Yes, I watched that. So, And the interesting thing about this is it's it's all filmed in Bristol and Bisley, is it, near Strade?
0: I wondered where they yeah. filmed it because it did look familiar.
4: Yeah, and then there's some things that have just come out on Netflix that I haven't started watching yet, but I've heard feedback from colleagues. And the main one is called The Stranger. So this is based on a novel and it's an eight-part thriller series. It stars Richard Armitage as a man whose world is turned upside down by a woman who reveals secret information to him about his wife. So I've talked to a friend about it, and it's a British cast. It's a mainly British cast, but it's a Netflix thing. I saw the trailer, and I put added it to my list straight away because it looked good, but I spoke to a colleague and told them about it, and they started watching it and finished watching it in a weekend. They said they just wow. couldn't put it down so um, even though I recommended it to them they've ended up watching it What's the it name of it again? That the Stranger The new series Lock and Key oh, which is based brilliant. on the graphic novels of Joe Hill
1: Brilliant so Absolutely you've brilliant You watched it have you? Yeah um, We're about four in I think now So um, yeah I read the graphic novel They've rearranged the timeline quite considerably, but, yeah, it's following the general path of the of the graphic novel. I just love it. The cast is very, very well put together. The the young lad who plays the youngest uh, son is excellent. Stand out. The daughter is brilliant. And just in the last one, we thought the the mother was a strange character, but she's starting to come out, and you're beginning to get this, uh-oh, oh. Something's yeah. not right here. Is, but it, is it creepy?
5: Is it? Yeah,
1: it's very, very creepy. In the first five minutes, you think, oh, right, well, this has gone down a very dark path for just the first five minutes, yeah.
4: As you've just heard, I'm a big fan of uh, Sex Education, but I'm also a big fan of the other series, The End of the Effing World. Last year, watched the second series, but there's a new Netflix series coming out on the 26th of February from the same makers, and it's set apparently in the same time period, called i'm not okay with this it's a teenage girl is the main character in this and again she's dealing with similar topics it's produced by the same people who um, made sex education as well um, she's dealing with the same sort of thing school family uh, sexuality and all that thing but apparently she's got mysterious superpowers that creep out as the oh, story wow. goes on and there's only seven episodes and they're only half an hour each so it's a nice short little thing but if which is similar setup to The End of the Effing World. And again, they're, they're short episodes. I just love the way that series is made, written, directed, shot. And if you watch the trailer for I'm Not Okay with This, it looks very similar. So I'm very excited. So if you like the series The End of the Effing World, if you haven't watched it, watch it. There's two series, they're still available. And if you like those, get excited about this because it looks good. Another thing that's coming up at the end of February is Netflix's first dip into the african market so it's called queen sono and basically she's like a the born identity but set in south africa she's a secret agent only six i think they've only got six episodes to start with i think to test the water probably i suspect they probably they probably made more i don't know for definite but or they will do if it's a success but that'll be really interesting to see something set in africa with an african secret agent And it looks good. If you want to look any of the trailers or clips, it looks good.
6: Okay.
4: On BBC, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, Sally Rooney's best-selling novel, Normal People, is being adapted. Um, That's coming out in the spring. I'm not sure when in the spring because I tried to find a date and they wouldn't give an exact date. But it's about a couple falling in love. But again, I've got high hopes for that. My only concern is it's 12 parts. Will it drag a bit? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And on some other streaming services, on Amazon Prime, obviously at the moment I'm sure Graham can talk about Picard. <laughs> um, yes. But the one that's coming up on the 21st of February is the big, the, the big series, I think, Hunters. So this is Al Pacino produced by Jordan Peele. And basically it's about Nazi hunters in 1977 New York.
0: Yes, yes I've seen the, the trailer. Lumen Logan as well, isn't it? I think, yeah. yes.
4: So this looks like you've yeah, put I a lot of money trailer, into this. Yeah. and So that should be good. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, then look forward to that one. There's a new series on Now TV called The Outsider, new HBO1.
0: Yeah, I'm watching that one at the moment. Six
4: episodes in, so I'm up to date. So that looks good. So is it good?
0: It is very good. It is a little slow. The first two episodes were superb. And then the pacing went off because you know where this is heading, but you're waiting for the characters to catch up with it. That said, the standard of acting, people like Ben Mendelsohn, Mayor Willingham, Cynthia Erivo, who is just amazing as Holly in the show. What's really funny is all the press were given the first six episodes to to view and comment on um and obviously not the last four so i've now reached to where they are and the end of episode six is a huge cliffhanger and it's really upped its game now so i think the last four episodes are going to go at uh, breakneck speed overall i'd imagine it could have been cut down to eight but when you're seeing actors like this, I mean, Paddy Constantine, I've never seen him in an American TV series before. When you get somebody like that who was, you know, bemoaning the fact there aren't good parts out there taking this role, it is quality, so definitely. I've got a question for you, though, Deck. I mean, we're coming into March and we're going to get Disney Plus soon, aren't we?
4: Yeah, I I had a look at Disney Plus because I knew I was obviously um, – recording this out on the 24th of March I don't think there's much on there that I want to watch to be honest apart from the Man DeLorean um, which everyone's been raving which is fine I don't think that that one thing is enough for me to sign up all the other big things that they they've been advertising so all the the Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision and Loki aren't coming out for months so why would I sign up on, you know I can't at the moment justify signing up straight away so I'm going to leave that and things may appear in future carry-on streaming services, you know, if they re- start releasing more stuff. But when I looked, it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot on there that, that interests me. I think if you're a Disney fan, if you're a massive Marvel fan and you want to re-watch you know, the, the old films, fine.
0: It's interesting. We talked to Paul and Paul says about Apple TV. They haven't got that much, but what they've got is really high quality. You know, Netflix and Amazon Prime are at the top of their game. Disney needs to do a lot more work if it's going to stay in this game.
4: I mean, it'll be interesting because at the moment I'm in that category of I'd only really want to pay for one streaming service. And, you know, as I've said in this podcast, a lot of the stuff I watch is on Netflix, of, of, of the paid ones, is on Netflix. And I'm sold into Netflix. I like the way it works. Every time I think I'm running out of stuff to watch, they'll suddenly launch a couple of new stuff that looks interesting. And I'm really sold in. I haven't been persuaded to go to amazon prime i haven't been persuaded to go to now tv yet it'll be interesting to see as there's more and more of these shows what sort of bundle deals they do because that will be the key really is to for people like me that don't want to pay too much don't want to you know fork out and have all four streaming services and it costing a lot of money if they if any of them are going to get together and sort of give some sort of deal that that will be interesting to see whether that happens or not conscious so,
0: of time anything yep. else to
4: actually- so one thing i just want to mention now i know this is going against the amazing at the Flix podcast but there is a new podcast coming out soon and i think graham will be excited about this as well is do you remember last year one of the best podcasts 13 minutes to the moon oh yes about the lunar moon landings yeah the same team have made one on apollo 13 and if you've if, <laughs> yeah that's the reaction if you yeah, listen to done. 13 minutes to the moon you are going to be so excited about this and i I recommend anyone listening to 13 Minutes Moon and get excited about the Apollo 13 one. So
1: have they got Hans Zimmer coming back to do the music again? I don't know. Zimmer did the music for a podcast. Can you he's, believe he's, that?
0: He's rather tied up at the moment. He's been drafted in to do that Bond score.
1: Talk about 13 Minutes to the Moon, 13 Minutes to the release of Bond. Get it done, man. Wow. Oh, God, so that I, was, I'm pumped for that.
4: Yeah, that's my final recommendation. Fantastic. That, that is, Thank
0: you. Yeah, Well, brilliant. That's my next couple of months sorted. Thank you very much indeed. Next time we catch up, we'll be getting ready for the May bank holidays.
1: So uh, there'll
0: be in, plenty of stuff going on there. In
1: the UK. We we need what we need is a calendar for what <laughs> so we can say what and in the US everybody has May bank holidays. Forty Do they have an American? We have a one. Do. Don't
0: we? They, they do. They have was it um Mayday? Labor Day?
1: Labour Day, don't they? Yeah,
0: one, they have one either side of the summer holidays. We'll have to
1: check into it.
0: Yeah, and of course our Russian listener. Three Russian listeners. Three Russian listeners. And we like you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare put anything on my door handle. <laughs> right, okay. Deck, that's really appreciative. Catch you again soon. Thank you, Jack. Cheers Cheers then. Deck. Cheers, That. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks, Deck. And yet more items to add to my never-ending watch list. Okay, over to the reviews.
2: It's been 15 minutes since a Jeff rant. One must be coming as we enter the review zone.
1: I know, at least we have Darren with us now to restore sanity. Hi Darren, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you.
2: Okay, let's get straight into it. And the first one is Birds of
1: Prey.
6: This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough... I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. It's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list is this guy.
3: And so peaceful.
6: But it turns out I wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. You fall in love. He's after all of us. The kid just robbed him. You betrayed him. You killed his BFF. Is that a hyena in a bathtub? I named him Bruce after that hunky Wayne guy.
1: (laughs) Certainly it is a bizarre and exciting trailer. Following on from Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie, finds herself alone as the Joker has cast her aside. As Harley tries to get her life back together, she finds she is fair game for other criminals in the city. Now she is no longer under the Joker's protection. However, Harley discovers girl power as she teams up with an unlikely female group to get revenge. The filmmakers have gone for a Deadpool approach and a higher certificate. Did they make the right choices, Darren?
6: Yeah, I mean, b- before I go into this, I should just say a bit of a disclaimer. That I've uh, got a collection of 38 pop figures. Nine of them are Harley Quinn figures. So that shows... <laughs> So basically, this film was basically geared to a Harley Quinn fan like me. I absolutely loved it. I had so much fun watching this film. I loved how colourful and wacky it was, just like Harley Quinn. I just think that Margot Robbie just absolutely morphed into his character. I found this comic book movie refreshing because unlike a lot of like, Marvel and DC movies, This one actually felt like a comic book to me. It just had that sort of feel to it. It really colourful. It was, it broke the fourth wall. The story was fairly sort of simple. It wasn't, like doing a big massive save the world type story it was just a bunch of um, characters who got themselves in a really bad situation with the evil boss that they had to get out of i love the other characters i love the huntress i thought she had a really dry sense of humor even though she wasn't in it that much i thought ewan mcgregor made a really great villain there wasn't any sort of depth to him other than being sort of like a, just a sort of really sleazy bad guy but it was so vicious and, and nasty and his, his henchman was as well i just just really enjoyed his movie i just thought it did what he was trying to do and just brought a really fun aspect to the film Yeah, I didn't like it as much Margot
1: Robbie was excellent I mean, when is she not? It was zany, fun, slightly off-center superhero movie It's nowhere near as funny as Deadpool and the opening section was not as engaging as I thought it should have been I didn't like Ewan McGregor as Black Mask I thought he was very poor Apart from that, I thought it was good direction great performances you really need a stellar writing team to pull off a zany superhero movie. And I don't think this had it. However, Margaret Robbie absolutely nails her role. She plays Barking Mad superbly. She was by far the best thing in the movie. I certainly enjoyed it while I was in there. came out with a big smile on my face, but she was the best thing in Suicide Squad and they just picked the best thing in Suicide Squad and made a movie out of it. It's okay, but not great.
0: Neil?
2: Well, Margot Robbie's perfect for the role, isn't she? The comparison with Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds obviously had carte blanche. He could say and do anything he wanted. If they'd let somebody with a vision. Just do exactly what they wanted? Would they have come up with something a lot better? I just felt there was a really good film in there somewhere. You know, I love the bits where she suddenly goes back into psychoanalysis <laughs> yes. and comes out with a really complicated thing. And I thought that's superb. Why wasn't it really good? Yeah. It's such a shame.
6: I can only say for myself, I sort of, you know, really enjoyed this film. But I, I just, to, to be honest with you, I just wanted to to have a lot of fun. Get Harley Quinn and get some good characters uh, alongside it and just have a really fun movie. I I wasn't really wanting something with such a massive depth. A lot's been made of the fact that this was given an an R rating. I I don't know if it actually would have lost a great deal if it wasn't R rated. Films like Deadpool and and Logan and stuff, you sort of knew from the trailers going in that they were going to be sort of like really, really violent movies. They could have got away with doing that story, but with sort of like a lower rating and probably got you know, a bigger audience for it, which some projects sounds like it is needed a lot.
1: That's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that. And yeah, I think you're you're absolutely spot on.
6: They could have sold this to a much wider audience. Yeah, what other Marvel movies? Uh, none of them have ever been narrated, and they've still got violent scenes in there.
0: I agree with. All that everybody said on the performances, I think Margot Robbie has taken this character and made it her own. It'll be interesting to see how much front and centre is she'll be in The Suicide Squad when that yeah. comes out next year. Ewan McGregor, is having the most fun I've seen him have in a film in years. Mm. He's clearly revelling the part. What I would say is I felt Suicide Squad was a better film because I felt it was much more structured I know this is breaking the fourth wall and Margot Robbie's constantly speaking to the audience, but unlike Deadpool, she has a fractured psyche, which they tried to bring into the film. And I'm interested in Darren's point there that this is like a comic book, but I think it's too much like a comic book. And to me, it breaks structure. Suicide Squad for its superheroes on a mission, let's be gender neutral here, uh, (laughs) that goes wrong, was much more fully realized than this. But. It is a great deal of fun. I don't think you can take that away from it. Everybody happy? Let's move on to our next review. This time, it's
1: Parasite. <laughs>
0: This year's Oscar winner for Best Film, the first ever in a foreign language, as President Trump pointed out the other night. A <laughs> comedy drama about a poor family who, through deception, infiltrate a wealthy Korean family. Neil, now you've been a cheerleader for this film for quite some time before Christmas, even before it was out in the cinema. I don't know how, but you did. It's been out for a very, very long time, several months around okay, the world. Several months. After all that time,
2: are you still positive about it? Definitely. And I saw it last year and I've been banging on about it ever (laughs) since these two are really tired of me talking about it. When asked about it, I just told people to look out for the hills and the stairs. I just loved the way Bong has created a very personal message on poverty and the distance between rich and poor both literally and financially, and in the desperate flood scenes, the different way people are affected according to their status. And he puts this into a very, very dark comedy. It's consistent throughout. It's beautifully filmed and some stunning cinematography and some outstanding direction. In particular, scenes of the family running down the stairs in the rain. It's an excellent film, thoroughly worthy of the Oscar. Okay, Darren.
6: Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely loved this film. This this was my pick to win an Oscar. I think what I loved about this film is it had so much depth in the story and satire and everything, but it was so accessible. Could get all the points that it was making. You didn't have to sort of, you know, be put too hard under the surface. I went in not knowing anything about the story, and I'm glad I didn't because it starts off at times almost like a bit of a situation comedy. And then it sort of starts to get more sinister. At one point, it looks like it's going to go for for a more horror approach. I just thought this film was absolutely marvellous. I thought the performances were great. There were moments that were really funny, and then moments that were heartbreaking. There is so much that you can sort of take away from this. Even little things like how a storm affects people of different classes in different ways, you know, to, to the uh, to the upper classes, it's like a beautiful adventure almost to the lower classes, it's kind of like a, a life and death situation. And it wasn't like rich people, bad, poor people, good type thing, but both of them did bad and good things. The rich people in there weren't sort of bad people as such, they just had no concept of what it was like for other people. But weren't bad people, who just sort of had no feelings for other people outside of their circle. I honestly could talk about this for hours, so I'm going to wrap it up here, but I thought this <laughs> was absolutely fab. I thought this was wonderful and wonderfully
1: clever. I mean, it was rhythmically paced. The pacing was incredible. Gobsmacking scene building. It was just so good. This movie is a masterclass in construction story Characters and events clash in what initially appears, as as you said, Darren, to be a simple tale of poor people reaching for a better life. They have lofty ambitions and dreams, but reality has very different plans for this family. So when the movie starts, it's all about deception. And then about halfway through, you realize that there's a lot more deception going on than we thought as the movie completely changes direction. And again, the pacing is exceptional. The genre shifts from satire to comedy to thriller to horror. The Rich Father talks a lot about people crossing the line. This old notion, people should know their place. And what the Rich Father doesn't realise is that he's surrounded by people who can only survive by crossing the line. It's just wonderful. It's one of those movies that I will have to see again and again to understand all the small details that pepper every scene. The visual metaphors are so interesting. Things like the stairs metaphor and the blood on the food and heads slowly emerging from lower levels of the houses and Wi-Fi as a metaphor for well-being. Uh, There's loads of little things in this movie. It's Great music, great cast, wonderful dynamic between the poor family and the rich one, a dynamic that only increases with the arrival of a ghost and his wife. Mm. It's just so good. I was speechless at the end of this film. I thought, what the hell have I just seen? That was brilliant.
2: I watched a YouTube video about the cinematography and basically whenever the poor family are talking to the rich family in the rich family's house, there is a line... It may be a tall flower or maybe a brick wall or it might be the edge of a wall, but there is a line in every single one. And, and that's I mean, the yeah. line
1: they shouldn't cross. I noticed when they looked out at the maid and she was trying to wake the mother up yeah. in the garden and she claps her hands really close to the mother and shocks her awake, there's a line in the window yes, right down the middle of the window. Absolutely. So she crosses the line to clap in her face and it was just so clever. I haven't
0: seen it yet I went to see Bad Voice for Life instead that's your cultural high point isn't <laughs> yeah. it yeah, yeah yeah. okay let's just sum up this one then so all three of you rate it as pretty high probably be in your film of the year oh definitely definitely one Decadent of them yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay so I will ignore Orange Man then and I will listen to the advice of you three sages and I will go watch it
1: good man okay
2: this narrative is far more than mere fiction David
4: Copperfield I
7: am indeed
4: It is the true story of the life I was about to lead
7: Your mama is ill
4: How old is she?
3: Very ill
6: Dangerously ill She's dead
4: I can easily recall people of strong character
6: Good morning Good
5: morning
2: morning. A little early for Sherry
5: A little early
0: And weave their memory Come in, form a cue To my life's journey. We're ruined? Like a castle.
4: Ladies!
6: How can we be ruined? Like a big castle. Pets! We could keep him as a little pet. (laughs) It was a joke, I'm sorry. I've been attempting to learn gentleman's humour from a book. Thank you. um Sorry, what was your name? Copperfield. Copperfield? Copperfield. This is Cropwood Trotterfield.
4: David Copperfield.
5: He freeze
1: out. A remarkable woman. Very kind. After The Thick of It and The Death of Stalin, satirist Amando Anucci turns to Charles Dickens. Here we have the story of David Copperfield, Dev Patel, as he tries to find his way in life in Victorian England. Let's go over to our special panel, which includes Phil Foster and Declan, for their views on this one.
0: Please note, this film has opened in the UK in January. However, it does not open in America until May, and there are spoilers. If you've not read David Copperfield, and to be <laughs> honest, why haven't you? Uh, oh. There may be a few shocks in store for you on this review. Now, we've got some guest reviewers on this. Deck has joined us. Hi, Deck. How are you doing? All right, thank you. And Phil. How are you doing, Phil? I'm good, thanks. Filcher, because he wrote what I thought was a rather excellent piece on this film on his website, which you haven't seen it as well worth checking out. Now, I don't fully agree with all of it, as you will see as we go through this discussion, but it is really well written. And the fact that you were so good on that, Phil, I'm throwing it to you to just tell us a little bit about David Copperfield.
7: Well, I love this film, and I thought it's definitely one of the first sort of five-star films of the year. I described it in my review as a because I thought it was just so much fun all the way through, but I couldn't help but have a massive grin on my face all the way through. And in terms of the casting, I thought that everyone was fantastic. Dev Patel was really charismatic. Hugh Laurie and Tilda Swinton were hilarious. And actually, you know, everyone in it, I just thought was perfect. And quite frankly, Tilda Swinton kicking people off of donkeys is got to be one of the funniest <laughs> things you will see in a cinema this year. I actually don't know too much about the book at all, but I felt that given that it was a, a book adaptation, it was given a really great sort of cinematic feel by having the characters walk from one location to another. It's really set off right at the very, very beginning when he's starts the story of his life and walks into his family home where his mother is in labour giving birth to him and just goes on from there and I just thought from top to bottom it was just great fun filled with lots of humour and lots of fantastic performances.
0: Okay, it was a very different film for amandu Anucci if you look at the other things he's done in the past politically, the political films?
7: Yeah, and also I think it was much more of a good willed humour rather than his acerbic wit that he, he sort of has on all of his other stuff.
0: Deck is our other guest reviewer. What did you think of it?
4: Uh, I agree with everything that Phil said. I just thought it was hilarious. I just sat in the cinema just smiling all the time because I went into it not really sure. I hadn't. Seen too much about it. I just liked his previous films. I like The Death of Stalin and stuff. So I thought, no, I'll give it a go. I didn't regret it for a second. I absolutely loved it. And like you say, Phil, some of the segues between scenes were incredible, ingenious, just brilliant. The way he'd moved from one part of his life to another seamlessly, but it was just so clever. The cast were fantastic. Hugh, Hugh Laurie was just, his timing is just brilliant. All the cast were good, but uh, yeah, especially those two.
1: The fact that it's Dickens, and I haven't laughed so much at Dickens since The Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) It was just fabulous. When it started off, people were sort of chuckling. Everybody got into the swing of it, can laugh at a classic. Yes. And people were just rolling around laughing, and Hugh Laurie was superb. Tilda Swinton Yes, the scene with the donkeys. I don't think I'll ever get over that. That was just manic. Just lifting the person's foot and
2: rolling them off the
1: donkeys. The donkeys, yeah. Uh, That was so good. It was just wonderfully played. I thought everybody was excellent. I thought Doctor Who was great. Yeah, it was really good. That would be Peter Capaldi then. That was Doctor Who to me. Okay. A
0: a brief footnote to what Graham has said there. He mentioned them up at Christmas Carol, which is good but it's not Alistair Simms. Oh, for oh. goodness sake.
2: Drop it. <laughs> okay. Neil? I mean, Dickens does use a lot of absurd, larger-than-life characters and yep. strange situations, and Anando and Ainucci and the other writer, Simon Blackwell, really tap into it. It made David Copperfield almost approachable, obviously. It wasn't perfect, um, you perfect know, adaptation, Bits Missing, because it's a big old book. But I thought it was absolutely fabulous. As you say, it, it's absurd. There's some, some, some horrible stuff in there, but he kind of sort of goes through it in the same way as Tilda Swinton kicks somebody off a donkey. Yes. And Uriah Heep, I remember watching one years and years and years ago. It was when I was a kid. It must have been oh, in the 60s. I remember being terrified of Uriah Heep. And while well, he's still a terrifying character, really, Ben Whishaw was fantastic, absolutely brilliant, just genuinely trying to get up. And as soon as he got a foothold, of course, he took off. I thought it was brilliant. Nice to see uh, Gwendolyn Christie again.
1: Yes, Brienne of Tar.
2: Brienne of Tar. I thought Dev Patel was very good. He was um,
1: excellent, and the, the kid who played him, his younger version yes. of him, was also very good. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, it's very, very funny.
0: Very good film. That would be Jariq Vazani.
1: Oh,
2: <laughs> very good. So, uh, Jeff, let's hear why you don't like it. No, no, I do like <laughs> it. Uh, it, it has sorry, prob- is,
0: am I going? Am I a bit previous there? Yeah, yeah. It, it has problems. It condenses a huge novel into less than two hours characters like dora spenlow oddly enough played by the the same same actress who played his mother mother. morvid clark and that Uh, says a lot about that that, that's really bizarre but i think the way she's written out in the film compared to how she is in the book he's keeping a lightness of tone what I really liked about this film, for Armando Anucci, it's his most visual film to date. Mm. It was incredibly
1: bright. Did anybody yes. else think yes, it? It was, it was beautifully it? lit, the whole thing. All the scenes were bright. Beautiful, beautiful.
0: sunshine. Inside it was beautiful sunshine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <it's laughs> right. I want to go back to something that Phil said when we had a separate discussion on this. This is the first film where the character of Uriah Heep, who's quite key to Copperfield, mm. is brought home in such a wonderful way. I mean, Phil, you were, you were saying you knew the name before, you didn't know the character, but yeah. Ben Wishaw really brought this home.
7: I've not read the book, and um, I've not actually seen any of the previous adaptation. I've heard of Uriah Heath, but I've never seen him brought to life at all, and I didn't have a version of him in my head. So this character that desperately wanted to be part of that echelon of society and would get very close into people's faces and just make them uncomfortable was just it's just a really interesting... I know you said, Neil, that you didn't find him creepy, but I did find him a little bit creepy, actually.
2: He, he's less creepy than most adaptations would have him. That's
7: where I'm, I'm missing out, I suppose.
2: It's, it's definitely creepy. No, no sense of personal space, always trying to help, which is kind of creepy.
1: I did enjoy the fact that Armando Nucci focuses on little things yes. now and again, like the heavy cake... Which is part of the book. But he drew that out into a huge comic performance. And I just thought that was great. <laughs> and, you know, even, you know, t- five or ten years later in the dory, the mother was still trying to give people heavy cake.
4: Heavy cake, yeah. I mean, I thought some of his direction was fantastic. I mean, the the, the scene with Peter Capaldi in the, in the house with the windows when he's lifting stuff and people are reaching in and taking yes, things yes. out of the windows and he's trying to move yeah. them and he's putting them somewhere else. I thought that flowed brilliantly. Yes, that uh, and, and, and in the little boathouse thing, when he keeps whacking he his head, his head. Yes. I just yeah. thought, again, it, it, in such a confined space, I thought it was, yeah, really well shot.
0: What performances stood out for you?
4: I, I think Hugh Laurie and Tilda Swinton we've mentioned already and Ben Wilshaw as well. I, I just thought the whole cast, I mean, how, what's her name, Sarah Crowe didn't win the BAFTA, the, the first year it's ever done for casting.
3: Yeah. I yeah.
4: don't know. I don't know how she didn't win that because you just think of all those people. That's a good point. Uh, casting was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. How I just thought it was nailed on that's that she a, was going to get it. That's a
1: really good – I hadn't even thought on that. Like, yeah. Yes, the casting no, director yeah. is really yeah. top of their game. And, and she, didn't get,
4: she didn't win, so um, I'm not sure who she lost to now. But uh, I was shocked by that because I thought it was fantastic. I couldn't think of a weak character in the whole performance, which is Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens is about character. If you read any of his, even, stories, his even, yeah. if he, even his more miserable stories, they're <laughs> all about character. You know, *Taylor Two Cities is one of my favourites, but it's all character-driven and that's what this film showed. Yes, it was shorter and, and trimmed down, but it still showed, you know, with the use of the, the vocabulary and the words he uses in the story, the funny way, each character has a funny way of describing something yeah. and David Copperfield writes it down. It's how the world works. Is that everyone has their own little nuances and he captured that brilliant
0: so let's talk about two actors we haven't mentioned yet who i thought were really good
1: benedict wong as mr wickfield (laughs) yes thought was tremendous yes
0: yeah, is
3: it is it's it too early to, for port? Uh, is it, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and the scene again to come back to the direction, the scene where he's trying to get the port out of the globe.
3: The
2: globe uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that was just the wonder- way the two of them are playing off against Hilda Swinton as well, and, and just sort of trying to get him away from the you know, the port, and then uh, Hugh Laurie walks in. Yeah, yeah that's
0: great. And the other one for me was Daisy May Cooper as Peggotty, you know, this actress who comes in from this country yeah, yeah. and is just uh, just so funny.
1: I also like Paul Whitehouse. I thought yeah. he did an excellent performance.
0: We've scooted around this, but let's hit it full on now. Race and colour.
2: I didn't mind it at all.
0: What do you think he was trying to say?
7: Yeah, I loved it. Well, I mean, from my perspective, can I just say, from a Dickens point of view, this is a multicultural England and you know we all have empire roots and we're a mix of everything that's kind of like an attempt at being kind of clever about it or what I think he was doing which is the less clever route is simply he was saying it doesn't matter who you cast in terms of it making sense from a family point of view I'm going to pick the best actors who are going to do the best job at these roles Yes. so the fact that you've got Benedict Wong an Asian man playing the father of a black woman and that Copperfield is British-Asian. None of that matters. and they, It didn't even matter in terms of, they weren't like saying, oh, well, we have to cast an Asian mother to Copperfield so that it doesn't look out of place. It was just, I'm going to put, cast the best people for these roles.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I Perfect. I, I actually think your first one was right, Phil. I think it was a ah, comment I on should... multiracial society. <laughs> I
2: think there is an element of that, yes.
0: Dick, what do you think?
4: Was it him or was it the casting director? I don't know. Were they just saying, I just want to pick the best people that I know that can play characters and it didn't matter what colour they were? I'm not sure whether whether we're reading too much into this and he has just gone, you know, is he making a statement or has he just gone for, I'm just going to try and get the best actors and actresses that are available to play these roles and and ignore the colour.
1: You know what? After a couple of minutes, you don't even think about it, do you? No. You're so into the story. And and that's the point, isn't it? You don't the, see The it. white kid's got a black mother and you think, oh, that's fine. What, what the hell? Who cares? Because it's
2: moving at such a great pace, pace as well. Exactly, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had no problem with it at all. And if he's saying that, you know, this is Britain these days, that is multiracial, and if it was today, David Copperfield could
0: be yeah. of any race.
4: Do you, do you think it will affect the audiences in America? I
0: don't see this being a big hit in the States, I, I no. really. Um, Sadly. Yeah, I, I agree with Neil.
7: I don't think that that's because of the casting, though, surely. I mean, that just kind of, that to me is just, this is a very British film with lots of British actors that don't necessarily mean as great a deal in the US, right? Can I just say that, you know, he talked about the, the casting of the mother and the girlfriend being the same woman. I actually really liked that because I kind of thought that it said something to his character without actually needing to talk about it. So he obviously felt a great loss and absence from his mother. And that's why he found himself directed towards this woman but reminded him
0: of her yeah a- absolutely and in fact it's played by Morvin clark a wonderful welsh actress
1: i agree that's what came to mind when i saw that i thought hang on that's the same actress and then i went oh i did not know beforehand <laughs> okay
2: <laughs> and it, it didn't even connect when no. i saw
4: it do you think that subject matter being a quintessential sort of english story and therefore it was easier to do the color blindness because you imagine if you applied the color blindness to a big film, a big American-driven film, would the audience reject it because it's just it would seem too wrong? And I don't know.
0: Well, I think so. I mean, okay, we, we've had the discussion around it. What yeah. he
4: has said in
0: interviews is he goes to theater a lot where racialism doesn't play a part. It's the best person gets the role, so that's what he's doing here. But I think you can't look at this, particularly not the moment in our society, and think, you know, multicultural Britain against the racists that are trying to drive Brexit. To me, there's a definite comment on that within this film. It's an interesting point.
2: Yeah, is known over there. He's just done Veep, hasn't he? So, um, yeah. it's, Fantastic it's show. So the people who watched that and liked it and may watch mm-hmm. this film.
7: For me, it probably will be all about Hugh Laurie then she's just done a new show with Hugh Laurie and obviously he's probably the most well-known actor because of House so they need to get that show out in America which I think it already is and then get Hugh Laurie on the campaign trail on talk shows maybe they get some people to go and watch it.
2: Tilda Swinton's well-known Yeah as maybe well. they
0: could see it as a spin-off of Doctor Strange with Tilda Swinton Benedict Wong. Sure,
1: sure. Let's let's go with that. A prequel, (laughs) prequel reimagining. So, over to you to sum up, Phil.
7: I just think everyone should go and see this film. It's just great fun, filled with amazing performances, and you will laugh and smile a lot.
0: Well, that was a fascinating discussion on David Copperfield, and one that could have gone on for a while. So, thanks everybody for that excellent discussion. On one of the best movies of the year so far. Now, hand over to you for the dash.
6: Oh, blame me. Okay. <laughs> First up, the film that I um, saw was an anime called Weathering with You, which got only a very small release uh, in this country. Makoto Shinkai was the author who also did another really, really great anime called Your Name, which was one that I thought was like a really moving one. Now, the story in Weathering for You is a bit complicated to recap. I'll do my best. But essentially... Tokyo is trapped in a never-ending storm and a young lad who comes to the city to basically make a new life for himself, who struggles to find a job, he comes across this uh, young girl who, it turns out, has this um, ability to um, briefly control the weather. And the two of them go into a business together to hiring out their services, like for example to parties and things, to stop the storm in a particular area just for a short amount of time. This goes on and on. And... The the film starts to get a little sort of complicated. If you're not used to anime and their way of sort of telling stories, you probably might start to get a little lost. But it is a really, really great story. It's about friendship. It's about coming of age. It's about sort of making a family. And it's got a really, really lovely heart to it. And also a nice romance story. The film is absolutely beautiful. The artwork is just looks absolutely gorgeous. The scenes where you've got sort of like a skyline and vivid uses of, of the colour blue and everything, and the the rain pouring down on Tokyo and and some of the seas. it's so atmospheric. It's absolutely wonderful. But like I say, it's a um, for the characters that you really, really sort of get in, into this. It does get a little complicated towards the end because it sort of starts to go into life sort of like a mythology and a magic type of um, storyline. And you have to, it was one that when I came away, I had to sort of read up on a, a couple of things on, from the plot just to, you know, because it, it was hard to keep a track on some of the direction it was going to bring. But the main thing about it is the characters that you absolutely sort of, that you really love. It's a wonderful little movie. If you've seen Your Name, you will probably get the sort of storyline, but you know the sort of characterization that you're going for. But this was a wonderful movie; it's really moving. I did get a couple of tears in my eyes towards the end. It's a really touching little film.
1: That's your sort of film, Neil. How come you missed it? I don't know. Previous one, Your Name, uh, and this one are both on my to-watch list because it's yeah. it's getting rave reviews everywhere.
6: Yeah, I'd really recommend it if you ever if you ever saw so Spirited Away. Yeah.
3: It's, oh, yes.
6: it's kind of like a more young adult version of those older characters, but sort of uh, you know sort of, uh, but like sort of like a teenage type sort of coming of age thing so it 's a little bit more mature thing for that, but he' still got the magic of of that of the spirit of the way mm, cool what's
0: well, so that next up then
6: okay. next up um beautiful day in the neighborhood uh, with, with tom Hanks as uh, Mr. Rogers. I've got to say, this film was not what I was led to believe by the trailers, because if you watch the trailers, it it comes across as this sort of cute, sentimental film, but it's not that at all. It is a very hopeful movie, but it's also got a bit of a sort of a dark edge to it as well. The storyline is a writer who has got some, um, let's say, repressed anger issues. Basically due to a, an estranged father, which has basically drawn the wedge between him and his family. And he's asked to write an article about Mr. Rogers, the American TV show icon. And he doesn't want to do it because it's not the sort of thing he normally does. But he interviews him and he's kind of transfixed by him because... He doesn't know if this guy's on the level because Mr. Rogers comes across as basically how he is on screen, as this sort of like, you know, really sort of wonderful, friendly guy. And he's not sure if he can sort of, you know, trust him in completely. And at the same time, he's also going through his own issues with his father. It's a very dark film in places because Mr. Rogers, you see something in him that sort of needs to be addressed. He can see that he's got some sort of pain. And Tom Hanks is brilliant in this role because he's not just doing an impression of, of Mr. Rogers. He's character is that when he's like being interviewed and he's looking at this sort of guy interviewing him, you can see in his eye that he's basically almost looking inside him into his soul. When he asks a question in an interview, he's kind of looking at him as if to say, there's something not right about this guy. This guy's got issues. The film gets, like I say, it's dark. It also gets really surreal in a couple of places. There's this like sort of dream sequence uh, where the interviewer basically um, actually goes into Mr. Rogers' show and he's interacting with all the puppets and everything. And it's really odd and it's really disturbing. But the thing that sort of comes out about this film is its hope but it also doesn't sugarcoat people's issues the key that you bring away from a film for i brought away from a film like this is the stuff that mr rogers the character expounds about sort of acceptance forgiveness that sort of thing they're really tough to they're, they're not easy things to go through that, you know they're tough things to. It's a tough thing to, to you know to live by. But but it's worth it. And I thought this film was like a, a really hopeful movie. But it is very sort of at times it's not an easy watch. It is it is quite hard. Um, Matthew Ryas, who played Lloyd, who was the character who interviews him. I actually think his his performance was almost on a par with Tom Hanks, because you you could see that this guy was a troubled individual and that there was stuff that he really, he'd suppressed and he had to work out and get out of his thing. Uh, but I, I thought this was a, a really surprising movie. It was a lot weightier than, than I thought it was going to be. Uh,
0: it's one on my list. And yep, yeah. Uh, Matthew's a great Welsh actor. So, <sighs> uh, yeah, Jeez. he's
6: definitely high on my list. Okay. Next one up. Okay. The Queen and Slim. Oh yeah. Uh, the, Yeah, this is first-time director uh, by the name of Melina Matsoukas, who's um, done a lot of music videos in the past. So this this is a first-time film, and it is a really good one, a really powerful one. The story is uh, a young couple are on a a Tinder date, and it's not going massively successfully. don't really seem to have a lot in common. uh, It doesn't go well, but on their way um, home, they get pulled over by an overzealous, white cop who even though they basically try to sort of do everything right in this situation, the situation escalates, there's a scuffle, there's an argument and it results with the, um, the cop accidentally getting shot dead. And they decide that they, are, they, they can't really sort of face the music as such because they realize they're not going to get a fair shake and they go on the run. And they attempt to uh, basically make it into, well, they basically head for Cuba. Uh, you know To get across the line it becomes like a Bonnie and Clyde type story with a massive uh, man that's going on. but on the way, they basically become unwilling celebrities. They go from sort of town to town and there 's almost like a network of support that they find themselves in they 're going to a bar and they recognize them and they, they, they sort of become folk heroes and, and almost a symbol which was something that I found a little disturbing because I got the impression that they were being seen as heroes because they'd killed a, a cop. Now, now we, as an audience, we see basically what happened on the day, so we saw they're not to blame, but I, I thought that the film probably could have done with showing how the media was portraying them. It's a really powerful movie. At the heart of it is a romance, which I have to say I didn't, seemed to work for me as it did for other people um i, I was more interested in the sort of their, their sort of flight to freedom um, I liked them as characters I, I think I was more interested in the, the effects that the um, their plight was having on the wider world you know because as they're sort of like you know they're making their journey you you see how the communities are sort of like you know supporting them but it also- co- you know, starts to cause more tension between the sort of like you know the authorities and in and, you know, and black communities and, and I found it a really powerful movie. I've never seen an audience flinch as much for gunshots as I, as I did in this movie. There's certain scenes where, where a gunshot rings out and the audience just jumped.
0: Let's move to another powerful movie then,
6: Uncut Gems. This one was probably my favourite film that Netflix has done. I, I thought it was tremendous. But the story is that Adam Sandler runs a jewellery store in New York and he's got massive gambling debts. He's got debts to loan sharks. He's in a real financial problem. And he comes into a possession of a precious uncut diamond, which he is basically planning to sell at auction. But the whole thing just spirals out of control. There's a, there's a whole complicated story where he loans this, uh, this diamond to a footballer in exchange for a Super Bowl ring, which he then uses to pawn so he can pay off his gambling debts. And As you can see, it's one of those situations when 24-hour period that we sort of spend with this guy and his attempts to basically get himself out of the financial situation that he's in just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, most of it by his own fault. Every time he tries to get himself into a better situation than he is by placing bets and stuff, he manages to just push his luck and just screw him up. This is a really tense, uncomfortable movie to watch because it's so constantly, there's so much dialogue constantly firing. Adam Sandler Sandler's absolutely great in this film oh, I was going to ask you what and,
0: Adam Sandler was like.
6: It's amazing. For a start, this, this character that he has is so like, sleazy and almost unlikable but you're still rooting for him. There's just something about him that he's just trying to get himself out of his situation. Every so often he looks like he is and then you sort of tie yourself in knots because you're thinking don't do that, you're going to make this worse. Incredible performance and it's I, I would say as well, uh, I, I would rival this almost with Joaquin Phoenix's performance as Joker, just from okay. how hard you can see him working. His character is so intense, and he's constantly talking, and he's constantly on the move. It's almost exhausting to watch this film, and it is a film that you need to be in the right frame of mind for. It never pauses for a moment. There's either some argument going on, or some sort of source of friction, or tension, or something going on. It's absolutely exhausting, but it's, it's almost like it's just this massive rush He's in situations that he has caused, but you, like I say, you can't help having I mean, sympathy for him and wanting him to get out. It's a shocking film in many ways. Um, it reminds me kind of like a like an Elmore Leonard film. If you basically put an Elmore Leonard film on, on fast forward,
3: uh, <laughs> I think this is what
6: it would be like. I've tried to watch it twice now.
1: Right. I've just,
2: I, s- I tried just once. I got tired just after about 10 minutes.
1: <laughs> My son watched it and he said it's a two-hour panic attack.
6: Yeah, I I wish I'd have said that, actually. But, yeah, it is like a two-hour panic attack.
0: (laughs) No, 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 Darren. uh, Yours is a poster quote, mate. Uh, (laughs) Elmore Leonard on fast forward.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, there we go.
0: So, okay, that sounds really good. I'm going to have to sit and watch it. The Lighthouse, based on a true Welsh story. Um, Now, Phil Foster raved about this film. Darren, I don't think you're up there with Phil, are you, on this one?
6: Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's your review. Thanks, Darren. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I went into this film with such an open mind because I'd heard so many things about it. Mark -Mark Camo called it, you know, one of the best films of the year. Uh, People I follow on Twitter were saying, you know, this is a terrifying, you know, amazing movie. And It just bored the hell out of me. (laughs) The story is two lighthouse keepers are forced to spend months together. William Defoe makes long, unintelligible, rambling, Captain Birdseye-type speeches. Robert Pattinson basically plays with himself while thinking about having sex with a mermaid. Um, (laughs) There's some stuff with a um, a one-eyed seagull. Actually, the stuff with a one-eyed seagull is probably the best bits in it because that's a euphemism. I hope hope to God it's (laughs) not (laughs) a euphemism. Maybe it is. There might be something living in the light of the lighthouse. There's some really ghostly things going on. But I was just so bored. The film looks great. There's a great tone to it for for what it's trying to say. It's really uneasy, but the score is kind of really creepy. Every time it it felt to me like it was going to go somewhere interesting, it wouldn't. There was conversations and tension between the two that I just couldn't make out what was going on. The stuff that was basically trying to show you how awful it was and how boring it was living on on the lighthouse from, from day to day, and I was just bored. I was just, I wanted the film to be over it, but I'm, And I'm not trying to say the film's bad or anything like that, because it obviously isn't, because so many people have obviously taken something more from it than I could. I get the whole tone and everything. I just couldn't wait to get out of there. I just found it really, really tedious and annoying.
0: Really tedious and annoying is how I found Robert Eggers the witch. So uh, I'm really going to duck and dive this one now. Okay. Well, Dash ends rather badly this month, (laughs) I'm afraid. It's
2: a welcome back to Emma, who is going to join us for a semi-regular feature called Emma's Picks, in which Emma will select what she thinks is worth watching in
0: cinemas over the next two months. Welcome to our new feature, Emma's Picks. Hi, Emma. How are you doing?
5: Hi, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on again.
0: You're now a team member now.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. So, in Emma's picks, you're going to tell us for the next two months, which will be March and April, what's coming out that you're looking forward to.
5: Yeah, I will uh, hand
0: over to you. Well,
5: <laughs> oh, thank you. It's a very eclectic mix that I like to pick. Uh, nothing, nothing sensible. I've gone for all sides of the film that are coming out. I'm just going to go straight through from the the beginning of March, which for me, is starting out really strong. On the 6th of March, there are actually three films coming out that I'm very keen to watch. The first one is Fantasy Island, the Bloomhouse Horror. It's not getting great reviews. No, is that the one but... based on the
0: old TV series with that Neil lookalike shouted? De Plane, De Plane!
5: <laughs> yes, yes. I, I can't comment on the lookalike, but okay, yes, yeah, for the rest of it. <laughs> Bloom House to me is very... It's either I love their films or I hate them. There's no real in-between measure there. But it looks like it's going to be fun. It's got some, some good actors and actresses in it. So I'm I'm hoping that that one will start us off really well in March. Isn't
0: Michael Pina in that, isn't he?
5: Yes, I absolutely adore him. He's very so, just so much fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Graham's got but a pin-up on his I, wall, so... No, just,
5: just, <laughs> oh, nice, no. Not quite. <laughs> I still kind of wish that he would saved everything in Avengers, but you know we can't we can't have what we want all the time.
0: No, well I could do it with Avengers. That's what <clears> yeah, you want yeah. he one. was was
1: <laughs> one of the best things in Ant Man. I gotta gotta admit.
0: <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that one. I've seen the trailer. You know, from this bizarre fantasy TV series to this like horror feature, it's an interesting step.
5: I was trying to read up about the the tv series a bit earlier and i was having trouble finding anything that really explained what it was i don't think it was it wasn't horror was it it was more fantasy than
0: yeah it it was very soap opera-ish it was ricardo Monteblan and chap from man with the golden gun Um, yeah okay yeah basically they had people come into the island they would relive their fantasies but it was all soap opera stuff so to take a soap opera and turn it into a horror film fantastic
5: uh, now I'm just thinking of what would happen if they turned neighbours into a horror. Yeah, I think <laughs> it is a horror. used to there.
0: <laughs> yeah, who knows? They can make oh, EastEnders depressing. Oh, hang on! Oh, hang on. Uh...
5: No, that's not working. <laughs> yeah, although I'm like horror is not usually my thing. That sort of it's more cheesy horror, so I'm I'm okay with that. So I'm I'm looking forward to starting off March with that one. I think excellent. And then I will probably do a double bill with the new Pixar film, Onward. Oh, yeah, looking um, forward to that. I have to say, although I am not in love with the trailer, I always end up loving a Pixar film, no matter what I thought of the trailer. And, you know, myths and magic and all of that stuff, yeah. I think that's, gonna, that's just going to be so much fun to watch. Great cast they've got behind it. So I think that's going to be a pretty strong one, and I will probably sit all the way through it crying. No doubt,
0: <laughs> Empire. Give it a five-star review, mind you. Empire uh, like Marvel movies, so let's put it in perspective here. Yeah. <sighs> right.
5: Okay. After that, I have actually seen the next film for the March the sixth release, which is uh, military-wise.
0: Oh, my wife really wants to see that.
5: We had a Cineworld unlimited screening of that, and I bawled my eyes out through it. It was wonderful. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's of that sort of film, you know, you get things like... uh, Like Full Monty and things like that, yeah? Yeah, like that, Walk Like a Panther, and just lots of different films like that that have a certain amount of heart behind them and like a really compelling story. And and then that, that thing that just makes them stand out like this. I mean, I love music and singing in films and having that group and are working together to get to this high point of of going on stage, and it was it was absolutely delightful to watch.
0: And it's a true story as well, isn't
5: it? Yeah, based on the the military wise choirs um, and things, and they have they have a great little montage at the end with the actual real life uh, choirs that they've got, and it's uh, yeah, it looks like they certainly have a lot of fun doing. Singing activities, so it's uh, it is lovely to watch. Okay,
1: yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Are yeah. you? Yeah, I am Kirsten Scott Thomas, and
0: yeah,
1: good point. And um, Sharon <laughs> Horgan. See,
0: I'm gonna yeah, she... thumb my wife wants to see it, it's never oh, a good song. i give over, okay, yeah.
5: <laughs> it's something for everyone. I'm yep. sure you will love it.
0: <laughs> okay, all right, I like the full
3: Monty. <laughs>
5: okay, so we're moving on to March 13th, and I've got uh, two. Two films coming out here. The first one is Bloodshot. Oh, no.
3: Oh, yeah. Vin. <laughs> bit of Vin.
5: <laughs> it's, the reason it's grabs my attention is that it's based on Valiant Comics' character. It's superhero without the superhero. Um, Ray Garrison, who is Vin Diesel's character, is injured and they give him an uh, injection of nanotechnology so he becomes a super soldier.
0: I'm liking this already.
1: It's like Captain America.
0: No, it's like Universal Soldier. Let's go back further.
5: This is good. <laughs> Watching the trailer for it, the only thing that is, I'm sure it's going to be on the cheesy side of <laughs> the superhero type movies because he gets shot and you see like his face kind of, disintegrate away and then the, obviously the nanotechnology brings him back and fixes him up and it doesn't look great, but <laughs> I think it's going to be great. what you mean he You're still right. looks like Vin Diesel when it's
1: finished yeah, yeah that's a... who, who
0: plays so, the villain uh, in the piece do you know?
5: uh, that is a very good question
1: I Guy Pierce is it, in it so he usually oh, plays yeah.
0: Guy Pierce then yeah he's usually <laughs> well I it am. does
5: it does kind of look like he is the villain I don't know the exact story but in the trailer certainly he is the guy in charge of like bringing him back with all this nanotechnology and it, it's like they're trying to suppress his previous memories and there's something going on so there's certainly, certainly something bad about Guy Pierce in this one.
0: It definitely sounds like Universal Soldier. Yeah.
5: Yeah it does have a ring of several things that have come before it but uh
0: yeah you know,
5: it's indeed an action film you've got to see it haven't
0: you oh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> well, what else nope. is opening that day
5: uh the other one um again it's going to be the weirdest double bill ever is uh misbehavior which is that. um i've been seeing much. a lot of a lot of the trailer uh for it it's, it's about uh a group of women who decide to disrupt the 1970 Miss World. Yes, I've seen the trailer. Oh,
3: it's yes. got Jesse Ke-
5: Buckley in it. Kira Knightley. The trailer has been flying about a lot, uh, so I do wonder if we might get previews for it. But it's certainly it's in the, the vein of a lot of things recently, uh, looking at like real-life incidents and and bringing them to the modern audiences. So I the, the trailers look really good for it, very exciting. The, the odd
0: thing with that trailer is Greg Kinnear playing Bob Hope. Yes.
5: Yeah. It's very strange to watch. I mean, yeah. I see him as an actor, but I was watching it, and I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right at all. <laughs> but I couldn't quite put my finger on why. <laughs> but,
1: no, no,
0: um, it's, yeah, it's definitely one to watch. And Actually, that is one where I'm in line with Les, my wife. She uh-huh. wants to see it, and I thought, yeah, I'll go watch
1: it. No, well. that looks good.
0: Okay, what's next?
5: <laughs> so next is another one I'm really looking forward to, again, based on... A graphic novel, although it is about uh, Marie Curie.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yeah.
5: And that one, starring uh, Rosamund Pike, and I mean she's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, you know, I have. I don't think I've ever seen her in a film that I, I didn't enjoy her role. It's something I don't know a lot about. You know, obviously I know of her and the things she's done, but I'm interested to see what story they they bring to the film in this one. And that that would be interesting.
1: Oh, uh, Taylor Joy's in it as well.
0: You're not selling it to me, Graham.
1: No, I know. Marie <laughs> Curie was is the only person to have received two Nobel prizes. Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah. Uh, good, and,
5: good fact there. I like that.
0: Yeah. Didn't new research kill her though? Yes. Okay. I thought, I thought that was the case. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler alert! There for any of you listening, she's not alive today.
5: <laughs> um. I'm looking forward to this one as well. in particular because certainly, Sydney World are doing previews of it with a and a Q&A. Oh. I think that's the 8th of March.
3: Okay.
5: I mean, Rosalind Pike seems to do a lot of research into her roles, and when I saw her do a and a for A Private War, I was very impressed by, by the background and things like that, and it's, I always find it really interesting to find out actually, you know, what they've discovered in researching roles and, and how they went about filming it. So you always... That little bit extra about the film, which is
0: nice, okay. Definitely one on my list there.
5: Now, next, controversially for me, uh, on the 27th of March, we've got Mulan. Now, I, I am not a fan of Disney and their remakes, however, in this instance, I'm very excited for it.
0: 12A certificate to start off with.
5: I'm really glad that they haven't decided to dumb it down, isn't the right word, but you know, they haven't. Gone about it and gone. Oh no, we'll make this very, very friendly because it it will take out of that historical accuracy that they're they're trying to strive for in this. And so, right? Can I, can I, I just stop certainly... you there,
0: Emma? That yeah? historical accuracy with crouching tiger, hidden dragon, battle scenes of running at walls.
5: Okay, okay. Oh, I like that. I think
1: that just adds a, a fantastic element. That's not historically letter.
0: accurate, though, is it?
1: You Never. don't know. You, you weren't there. You don't know? No? <laughs> I know you're old, Jeff, but I don't think you were there.
5: Okay. See? Be- Culturally accurate.
1: <laughs> talking of culturally accurate, they've actually got an Asian girl playing Mulan, so that's a good do. Have they got good oh, a dragon
0: to, voiced by... No, they haven't got a dragon in uh, it. So you know, well, I haven't seen the dragon. It now. Losing it
1: now. We haven't seen it in no, the trailer.
5: I, mean, I only actually saw the animated version last year. Obviously, they were, they were talking about this coming out. I was like, oh, how can you do Mulan without Mushu? But seeing... <laughs> Seeing the trailer for it like I'm really glad that they haven't tried to to add some of the cartoon bits yeah. into the live action i mean I'm particularly excited to see the avalanche scene i mean even in the the cartoon version that was like really uh impact- it was great to to see in that animated um piece, but I'm looking forward to the live action version and see just how they they managed to Craft that whole scene
0: One thing I'll miss is um, uh, in in the original is uh, Jerry Goldsmith did the music score.
5: Uh, rounding out March is a film called Bavarian. Bavarian, uh, star- yeah, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen i uh, Saw that one at the London Film Festival. It is. I'm sure it's going to go down well. Uh, hopefully, it will will get quite a good release. A little on the obscure side. It's basically about a couple who are looking to to find their, their perfect home and they go to a very odd estate agent and it, he takes them to this purpose-built town and shows them a very lovely house but the whole neighbourhood looks exactly the same. And as they're looking around, uh, the estate agent disappears and then they try to leave. And they end up going round in circles and they're basically trapped inside this very picturesque town. Severia. Can't get out every time. Yeah. Every time they stop, they're outside that same house again. And there's there's no one else there. It's literally just them. After many, many hours of trying to get out and they run out of petrol, they find themselves back outside the house again. And they go inside and things start to progress. They get, food deliveries and then they get a a delivery of a box with a baby inside it and it's basically them trying to survive in this very delightful town without anything but themselves and uh, the things that keep turning up on their doorstep.
3: It
0: sounds very Mm. much J.G. Ballard to me.
5: I think it will appeal to uh, people that enjoy watching things like Black Mirror and like Twilight Zone type things
0: so we have an At the yeah. Flicks horror scale where I'm ten and Neil zero. Where does it come on that scale?
5: It's more of a science fiction sort of yeah. mystery thriller thing. But there, there is a like one moment that you, you might classify as horror. But honestly, it's it's not, not that sort of film. Okay, it's just it's very intriguing. It will it will make you contemplate lots of different things about life and uh, what the perfect lifestyle might be. One for Graham, I think.
0: So let's move into Easter month then.
5: Okay, so now I have included a film in in right at the beginning, which I am excited for but I'm not excited for, and that is No Time to Die. <laughs> uh, the new the new Bond film. <laughs> now I will I will go and see it because it's a film and that's what I do, but I don't like Daniel Craig as James Bond. <laughs> Ooh,
0: controversial! Controversial. <laughs> this is my role, and they're mistaken, their own. <laughs> why? Why don't you like him as Bond?
5: I I am a Brosnan girl. Oh, okay. I just I don't I don't know what it is. I just instantly took a dislike to him in the first of his films, and I do love Skyfall. But apart from that, I can quite happily leave him as Bond. So, I'm. Excited to see it because there is always good action in it and a great support cast. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it in that respect, but, you know, it, it's Daniel me. Me. <laughs> so so two,
3: two,
0: two questions on this then. What are your thoughts on the theme song?
5: I don't mind it. I certainly enjoyed listening to it.
0: And what are your thoughts on Rami Malik as the villain?
5: <laughs> I certainly... I think he's got that, that potential in him to to be a great villain. So I, I'll be interested to see how he, he tackles that. i just have to wait and see, because I, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything like this.
0: The rumour is he's playing Doctor No, but we will find out when the film opens.
5: Now, the next one on my list, I describing this to you, we will know exactly the same amount of things, because I only discovered it today. So... <laughs> It's called VFW, and it comes out on the 6th of April. The description of it is, a group of war veterans must defend to their local VFW post and an innocent teen against a deranged drug dealer. It has got a lot of faces in it that you recognize, um, like you know, William Sadler's in it, who I I love. There's uh, Stephen Lang, and uh, I think he's the... Uh, one of the main ones in it as well and there's just a lot of lot of people in it that, that you'll recognize from things it looks very like gritty like mm. it's almost like they've gone back like 15 20 years and taken that style of uh, a sort of action come horror film and, and they put it into this film so basically the, the girl that's in it is, is out for retribution because drug dealers have killed her sister it, the face off of the two groups together i i don't know how i haven't come across this before but it looks like it might be an interesting one i'm assuming it's just going to be a lot of violence and and blood you know you're selling old, it to me <laughs> good old good old beat them up there which i'm really looking forward to but uh, i'm hoping that uh, that might get release it is listed as being an 18 and I would think there's nothing else coming out around it. I'm hoping it will actually get into a lot of cinema so I can actually go and see it, otherwise I'm going to have to go hunting for it.
3: Well,
0: you can't beat a good retribution film around Easter. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> boy, boy. I thought about it that way, it's very yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. The next one is the long awaited New Mutants film that comes out on the 8th of April. Yep, I'm looking forward to um, that. It feels like an eternity we've been waiting for this to come out. So I'm, I'm really excited to finally get to watch this one. Oh, I hope it's, it's as much- good
0: as Dark Phoenix. <sighs>
5: <Dear laughs> oh we'll just signal that. we just signal that. <laughs> <laughs> watching the trailer, I was really surprised how dark it looks. It, it's much more horror than the sci fi side of it. Um,
3: Neil, you could have a um, problem here. Yeah? <laughs>
5: The overriding thing in my brain is telling me it is, you know, it's it's about people with superpowers and and things like that. And I'm like, I can I can definitely watch this. It's got a very dark tone to the trailer, which it, it, I'm, I'm finding quite intriguing.
0: It sounds a bit like *Brightburn*.
5: It certainly looks like they've taken that slant on it. I'm uh, I'm quite excited for that one, but again, it's got the um, it's got. Tanya Taylor-Joy in it. I oh, don't know how she's got in so many That's, films you, this year.
0: You, you know how to sell this to me.
5: <laughs> right. It's got Arya
1: yeah. Stark in it, Maisie Williams. She's very good. Yeah,
0: Maisie Williams is all right, but Anya Taylor-Joy, she was in The Witch, yeah. one of the worst films ever made. Yeah, okay.
1: She was in Emma, uh, that
2: was perfectly acceptable.
0: And I She was the best thing in it, No, I she thought. wasn't. The best thing in that film, and I hate to say it because I normally can't stand her, was Miranda
5: Hart. I'm quite happy to agree with that statement.
0: The picnic scene, which is the best scene in the film. Yes, I thought you would enjoy that scene. Yeah, it was good. That's the sort of
2: put-down I'd like to do. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, right, OK. I've got to use it
0: on you. <laughs> Sorry, Emma, it's back to you.
5: <laughs> My next film, which I know everyone will love, on the 13th of April we've got Trolls World Tour.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> what? <laughs> I- Sparkles and singing, of course I'm in for this film. <laughs> what, was the first,
0: what was the first Trolls film like?
5: I mean, it's just ridiculous. I and mean, like I like say, you put singing in a film, you animate it, of course I'm going to watch it.
3: Okay. <laughs> so I'm surprised you didn't see it, Neil. And- <laughs> yeah.
1: Number of reasons. Yeah,
5: it's Policy got. Programming. It's
1: got <laughs> Justin Timberlake. James Corden and Ozzy Osbourne in it. Okay,
0: <laughs> let's just go back to that middle one again. This is where it fell down for me James there. Corden, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
5: I am disappointed in you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you're not the first. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, my mum started saying to that to me when I was two. So, yeah.
5: Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two minutes old.
5: <laughs> oh. this, is, this is just going to be very entertaining. Um, if you can't embrace that, then no. I feel very okay. sorry for you guys. No. Yeah. Okay,
0: next one, then, after Trolls. <laughs> Top that one.
1: Trolls World Tour. Tour. Yeah. Get the T-shirt.
5: <laughs> so the next one, on the 17th of April, we've got Promising Young Woman. A couple of reasons I'm excited for this. The trailer does look very, very good, but it is also written and directed by Emerald Fennell. She is an actress and a writer, um, She does thriller very well. And this is her first feature length directing and and writing, as far as I'm aware. It's basically about a a young woman who, when she was at university, something happens to her and it it basically derailed her life a bit. And we meet her when she's in her thirties and she's getting a bit of revenge. It's about. About the revenge that she lives out in the evening and during the day. It's almost like she's a mild mannered young woman, and she meets someone from her past. And it's it's about how she resolves, you know, the issues that that she's trying to deal with. The trailer does look fantastic. You definitely need to, to go and, and watch that. I really hope this gets a wide release. I think it's probably one of the the top ones for from these two months for me.
0: That does sound good. Can you say
5: again who's in it? Sorry, Kerry Mulligan.
0: Okay. Oh yeah, All right, Kerry Mulligan. And
5: then we've got got people like Bo Burnham and Laverne Cox, Alison Bree pops up in it as well.
1: Right. Okay. I'm
0: in. Yes.
1: I'm in. That sounds good. <laughs> and it it did really well at Sundance, didn't it? I think I read that. Yeah. on B's site actually.
0: That'll be Rosa. Then. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Certainly getting some some good feedback from from people who are like whose opinions I trust on on this, although. It's sitting at only 6.5 on IMDb at the moment, but there's not very many reviews in it, no. so the last one on my list for like my, my really you know, big top picks is Antebellum. Again, this is one I only discovered today, so This
3: is horror, <laughs> yeah.
5: isn't it? It is. It, it's listed as a horror thriller. I've seen the, the teaser trailer for it, and it's it's only a minute long, and it's got historical bits and modern bits, and Looking, bit. I just don't know what to expect from it, but it looked really intriguing.
0: This is a six on the At the Flix horror scale. <laughs> <laughs> Nearer me than Neil.
5: <laughs> so, I mean, I'm yeah, there's, there's not a lot of other information out there, but I'm just from that one minute of footage, I'm like, yes, I, I need to go okay. and see that one. I don't know how I ended up with uh, quite a few horror films on my list, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping I don't spend the whole two months just scared for my life.
0: That's excellent. And of course, next time we talk, we'll be talking about the summer releases, Whoa. which, when you look at that weather at the moment, seems so far away it's untrue.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and certainly, I, I had a flick forward to, to see what was coming out in May, and I'm, I'm very excited for some of those releases. So
0: like, yeah, a bit of I fast
1: nine.
5: Fast and furious but...
0: You think, you know what, Artemis Fowl, Artemis Fowl, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, looking forward
1: to that. Yes,
0: not as good as Fast Nine, though. No. I'm forward oh, to
5: good. Fast Nine. I, I'm sure Fast Nine is going to be just a magnificent piece of cinematic history. Yep, yep.
1: I think you might be fibbing. <laughs> I just.
5: <laughs> well, you never know. It might be groundbreaking.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah,
0: right. Of course, yeah. if the coronavirus hits big at that time, nobody's going to the cinema, so nope. don't really worry about it. Emma, on that note, <laughs> thank you very much indeed for those picks. So I think there's something for everybody there.
5: Definitely, yeah. Yeah, um, a bit of action, a bit of horror.
0: bit of trolls. bit of trolls. A bit don't of forget trolls. the trolls. Singing World singing
5: Tour. It's for everyone. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's how viruses are spread. Yeah, right, okay. We'll right. look forward to catching <laughs> up next time. Cheers, Emma. Thank Cheers you very much, Emma. Very
5: Thank much. you.
1: Thank you, Emma. A couple of those I'll definitely want to see. I look forward to our next catch-up when we can talk about summer films and hopefully the end of all this rain. As for next month, we put our spin on the recent awards season.
2: Another interview from Jeff's trip to South Africa as we talk to
1: sound engineer Ashley
0: another political take on one of the Rambo films.
1: Plus plenty of reviews and the return of Steve with his City World picks for our end-of-month show. So, gentlemen, I can safely announce that's a wrap and another At The Flicks is in the can.
0: OK, Neil, time for you to leave for the day job with Dominic Cummins.
1: You got sacked for
0: your extreme views, didn't you? I still think that lampshades was a good idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And time for you, Jeff, to get back to advising your mate Orangeman on some more classic movie picks.
0: Gone with the Wind, fantastic.
1: (laughs) Maybe you can sneak in. Birth of a Nation. And there's another one. Song of the South. Song of the South. They'd be right up his street, yes. And to everyone else, thanks Thanks for for listening listening and and goodbye. goodbye. make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast please subscribe to at the flicks at our website at the and if possible please remember to rate and review at the flicks wherever you get your podcasts you can contact the team on twitter or by email our contact details are also on our website at the thanks for listening